Hey there, podcast listeners. I have exciting news. We're launching a brand new podcast in addition to Super Soul Conversations. It's called Oprah's Masterclass. The Masterclass podcast allows you to hear the greatest life lessons from some of the most respected and renowned actors, musicians, public figures, and athletes in their own words. Listen as Jay-Z, Justin Timberlake, Ellen DeGeneres, Shaquille O'Neal, Reba McIntyre, Dwayne Johnson, and Jane Fonda, just to name a few, share what they've learned about life and their own insights into their personal stories and challenges. I believe that there's something to be learned from every experience, and everyone can use their life as a class. Oprah's Masterclass podcast will be available July 19th on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe now and listen free. Go to applepodcast.com slash Oprah's Masterclass. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Over the years, Gary Zukav appeared on The Oprah Show more than 34 times, helping us learn how to find more meaning and purpose in our lives. He's written 11 books and is widely regarded as one of America's top spiritual teachers. For me, it's always a treat to discuss life's big questions with Gary. So on a beautiful California dreaming kind of day, the two of us got together, like we've done so many times before, to talk and get inspired under the oaks. Do you remember when I called you, I don't know, how many years ago? Was it 89 or 90 when I first called you and you were living in, uh, on Mount Shasta? Yeah. And uh, I had just finished reading Seat of the Soul and was filled with so many light-filled questions. It just opened up my world. It literally, I would have to say, as you've heard me say many times over the years, this book definitively changed the way I saw my life. I think it was 89 or 90 when I first read it and then had to call you up and had to speak to you. And you remember what you said? (laughs) Roughly. You said, yes, I wasn't you said, sure you said, who Oprah, this person was. You said, Oprah, <laughs> how do you spell that? <laughs> Which I loved. And I actually spelled it. I said, O-P-R-A, the I, I H is silent, that. and the yeah. H is silent. And you were saying, what do you do? And I was saying, well, I'm on television. I have a show. And um, trying to explain to you what the nature of the television show was. And then years, it was years later, actually, that you actually... Uh, came on to uh, our show, not with an audience, but you and I did an interview similar to this in an apartment where you explained the soul. Does your definition of the soul remain consistent with what you said then, or has it evolved? The soul is the soul. Mm -hmm. It evolves, but it's our evolution and Mm -hmm my evolution that I focus on. Mm -hmm. But yes, the soul is that part of us that existed before we were born and will continue to exist after we die. It's that part of us that is immortal. Mm -hmm. And it's that part of us that has the intentions of harmony and cooperation and and sharing and and reverence reverence for life. Yes. I remember at the time you described it as the mothership. That's right. Yes. And you use the diagram of the ship. The soul is your mothership. 
So when you're sailing in the same direction that it wants to go, mm -hmm. your life fills with meaning and purpose. And when you sail in another direction, it empties of meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. You could look at it this way. You are a personality. Mm -hmm. That means you were born on a certain day and you'll die on a certain day. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But your soul won't die. Your soul is you also. We're on a journey to the soul, you could put it that way, mm -hmm. while we're here in this span between birth and death. Think of yourself as a body in a soul. And while we have this precious opportunity to walk on the earth, the question becomes, what will we do with this personality? What will you do with you? Now here, we can define you in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. One is you with a little y, mm -hmm. the personality that was born mm -hmm. and that will die. The other you is the you with a big Y. That's your soul. And if you use your time while you're on the earth to align the little you with the big you, your life begins to fill with meaning, fill with purpose, fill with joy, and you know why you're alive. Following what you know your soul wants you to do. Mm -hmm. One of the things that impressed me the most, it really just, uh, I think, stayed with me forever, is the on page 31 when you say, when the personality comes fully to serve the energy of the soul, that is authentic power. And, you know, this is a, rel this is a relatively new copy of Seat of the Soul. My copy by my bedside is so dog-eared, and I started highlighting it, and then I realized the whole book is highlighted, so what's the point of highlighting anymore? But that was one of the first things I highlighted in that book 13 years ago, and that awakened a, a spark of knowing in me that I never knew existed. I mean, I now call them aha moments, but I realized, oh, when my personality comes to fully align with the energy of my soul and I allow my soul to be the guide, that is when I am the most powerful. That is when I am in what I call now my sweet spot, my sweet spot. You were born to live in the sweet spot. Mm. That is the creation of authentic power. Yes. And that's how we're all evolving now. That everybody was born to live in the sweet spot. Yes, yes. There's been a huge change in human consciousness that has occurred. Mm -hmm. And its ramifications are going to be felt, and the experience of it is going to be felt by everyone. You think so? Yes, I do. What I'm talking about is this. I'm talking about an expansion of your perception beyond the five senses, mm -hmm. beyond what you can see and taste and touch and hear and smell. As people become multi-sensory, they begin to become aware, uh, to sense in some way that there is a big why. A big why. A big why, a mothership, mm -hmm. something that is meaningful. There is a beautiful poem by the Spanish poet Juan Ramon Jimenez. I think I can say it verbatim, but I can, I'll be very close if it's not. Okay. Juan, please support me. <laughs> the poem is called, I Am Not I. I am not I. I am not I. And he says, I am not I. I am this one, standing beside me, whom I do not see. Hmm. Whom at times I manage to visit, and at other times I forget. 
the one who listens quietly when I speak, the one who forgives gently when I hate, the one who goes where I am not, the one who will remain standing when I die. Mm. So Juan Ramon Jimenez knew of the existence of a part of himself that was immortal, that is immortal. And millions of us are acquiring that sense, that sense that life has a meaning, that I have a purpose, that I am more than this mind and body. I'm more than molecules and dendrites and neurons and enzymes. I have a part of me that is immortal. Now the question becomes, what now? What now? What now? All Becoming, right, Gary, what now? <laughs> now that we know that, <clears throat> what now? That is for each of us to decide. Multisensory perception does not make us more kind or patient or caring or less angry. It makes us more aware. Mm. And when you get that sense, the, the, the spiritual work begins. Yes. Because how do you do that? Well, the answer is elegantly simple. You find the parts of your personality that don't want those things. Mm -hmm. You become very familiar with them so that you can recognize them when they come up in you mm -hmm. and you don't act on them. And you find the parts of your personality that do want those things mm -hmm. and you recognize them and you become very familiar with them and when they come up in you, you act on them. And that's how you create authentic power. Creating authentic power is developing the ability to distinguish between love and fear within yourself mm -hmm. and then choosing love, no matter what is happening inside of you or what is happening outside of you. I would just say this is a primer for Seat of the Soul. Those of you who have not read Seat of the Soul, I, I will just honestly say it is probably the number one book for opening myself to myself. The, num the number one book for doing that. And I would say my life changed exponentially after reading it and understanding what authentic power was. And I've always tried to, since I read and could articulate what authentic power was, when the personality comes to fully serve the energy of the soul, that I've tried to always do that in all of my decisions, be aligned with what is going to be the authentic truth for myself. You, you helped me to do that, so I owe you a lot. <laughs> I am so grateful. <laughs> I owe you Oprah, a lot. That makes my heart sing. I would have to say that over the 25 years of doing shows, since I discovered Seed of the Soul, everything that you've written in Seed of the Soul applies to practically every subject I've ever done. For example, I was doing a show not too long ago with women who were talking about beautiful women, actresses, talking about actresses and models, talking about what it means to grow older and lose that sense of beauty when you walk into the room and everybody's eyes turn to watch you. And I thought about what you wrote in the chapter on authentic power. There will come a time if you are using your external looks, if you're using your position in your business, if you're using all of that at some point will come to an end. All of it. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Let's look at the time between your birth and the time of your death as a learning experience. Mm -hmm. 
Call it the Earth School. Yes, I remember the first time <laughs> we did that. Call it the Earth School. The Earth School, think of it this way, is a real-time multimedia surround sound full color cast of billions learning environment that always provides you with every interaction in every circumstance opportunities that are perfect for your spiritual growth mm -hmm. given the wisdom of the choices that you've made right and nothing's happening out of order with you and what you need to grow correct that is correct, but it's not as though it's predestined. Right. It's not as though it's written. Right, you're ordering it. You make choices. Yes, yes. And every choice you make creates consequences. Absolutely. And that's he, in the chapter on responsible choices. Yes. Do you know what's so exciting, exciting, Gary? I just went to uh, South Africa a couple of months ago because my girls are graduating. My first class of seniors is graduating. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Yes, and I mm. use the principles from Seed of the Soul mm to teach them what I wanted them to know as they were walking out into the world of the real world. And I used that chapter on responsible choices and said exactly what you say in that chapter is that a responsible choice is a choice for which you are willing to accept the consequences. And so imagine, this is what was so exciting to me, imagine you're 18 years old. You're the first in your family to ever go to college. Imagine to get that information at 18 and not to have to do as I did wait until you're 35 and 40 to figure out, oh, every single thing I do, every choice I make is going to have a consequence. And when I make that choice, I have to be willing to accept the consequences of the choice that I'm making. Yes, and you will encounter it whether you're willing to encounter it or not. Or not. So when you make that choice consciously, you create your future consciously. And if you're willing to encounter those consequences now, it won't come as a painful surprise to you That's when right. you encounter them. That's right. Now, you know the most exciting chapter to me in the Seed of the Soul? What's that? It is the principle by which I rule my company and the principle by which I rule every action in my life. And that is intention! Yes, yes. <laughs> Intention. Yes. That's at the heart of it. That's at the heart of creating authentic power. Yes. Intention. To the point because where, and now people make jokes about it. I mean, everybody, I've said it so often. You know, when I first learned about intention from you, and this is what everybody needs to know who's on the path of spiritually opening yourself up, awakening, is that it's difficult. It's challenging when you say, I want to grow. I want to be better than I have known myself to be. So I used to have the disease to please and intention cured me. So shortly after I had read the chapter on intention, I got a call from a very famous celebrity who was asking me to do something for them and to be a part of a benefit. And I really didn't want to do it. But I thought, well, if I don't do it, this person is going to think I'm not a nice person. This person is going to think I'm a selfish person. This person is going to think, well, why wouldn't you do it for me? Uh, I, was, I was thinking if I don't do it, then the person is going to never want to do anything for me if I ever call on them again. And I sat with that and realized not one single response to being asked had anything to do with, do I really want to give myself my time and attention? I realized right. in that moment that my disease to please had always been about wanting people to think I was a certain way. So I said no, the world did not fall apart, the person didn't hate me afterwards. Because of that, I got the courage to say no again and again and again. And so now I only do what I intend to do. 
So I am here because I really want to be here. And that's when you can give of yourself fully. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is how powerful what you wrote did for me and also my business. When I started to understand the principle of intention, I then changed the way I operated all of my businesses. And I said to the producers, do not bring me a show idea. Do not even come to me with the idea unless you know what your intention is that you want to serve. How do we wish to serve our viewers? How do we serve the public? So when people would bring ideas then, they would have to also list, and my intention is, and my intention is. Intention is one with cause and effect. You cannot participate in the cause without the effect, and the intention will ultimately determine the outcome of, of, of the effect. Exactly, the intention it is the cause. Is the cause. The intention is the cause. An intention and that you can't separate them. You cannot separate no, them. No, no, you can't. They're inseparable. They're one. And, and, and if you don't know what the intention is, it still creates the effect. Mm -hmm. And you still encounter it. Mm -hmm. I suggest that you entertain considering the possibility that you are a powerful and creative, compassionate, and loving spirit. Now, that may seem a lot. Try that on for size. And if you find that it doesn't fit, if you find that there is a distance between who you are, you think you are, and what you say and what you do and the way that you behave, and a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit, then also consider that that distance is the distance that you have to travel. Mm -hmm. That is your spiritual path. Mm -hmm. That's your curriculum in the Earth School. Thank you. I love saying that directly. That is fantastic. To people. That's great. So how do you make that journey between what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're thinking now, and what those things would be if you were fully operating as what you are, a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit? And I know for a lot of people it's hard to take in when you hear it at first, but on page 37 in the chapter on karma, I love this line. The conflicts of a human's life are directly proportional to the distance at which an energy of personality exists separately from the soul. Yes. And therefore, as we shall see in an irresponsible position of creation, when a personality is in full balance, love the sentence, you cannot see where it ends and the soul begins. That is a whole human being. That's right. And that's why we're together again to talk about how to do that. How do you how do that? How to create that. That is the creation of authentic power. So we were talking about intention. Let's, yes. We can start anywhere, yes. but let's, let's start, start with there. intention, yes. An intention is a quality of consciousness that you bring to a deed or words. Mm -hmm. It's an energy. It's an energy. It's an energy. It's an energy. So it's a quality of, of consciousness. consciousness. Got it. It's, it's your reason. For it's speaking. Your it's your motivation. Motivation, yes. So the real motivation is the one that creates consequences. For example, when someone says, I want a bigger home, it could be because I want to impress the neighbors, or it could be because uh, we've adopted four children and I want to give them more space. Mm -hmm. So it's the why beneath the why. Mm -hmm. The why beneath, beneath the why. The why. You, you might say that the first intention, like uh, I want to get another job so that I can have more money, this, this could be called an out-tension mm -hmm. because it's really what you want to do to change things. 
in the world. But your intention is the bedrock bottom. This is it, real intention. I want to support my wife. She needs some support now. I want to send my children to college. I want to uh, have room for my newly adopted children. Now, and what you're saying here is that the, the consciousness or energy behind the motivation is going to determine the effect that occurs. Precisely. Precisely. We started off by talking about a personality and a soul. Yes. Let's focus on the personality yes. for a while. A personality has a lot of different aspects yeah. or parts. For example, some parts of your personality are angry, jealous, vengeful, uh, feel superior and entitled, uh, feel inferior and need to please, uh, can't stop smoking, drinking, watching pornography. Addicted. Addicted, compulsive, can't stop working. Mm -hmm. Uh, obsessive, can't stop thinking, you know, I've got to have her, oh, he's so great, mm -hmm. or I'm so stupid, or she's so stupid, and the thoughts keep going, all of those things you can put into one basket, and, and here's why, because they have a couple of things in common. Number one, they hurt when you really experience them. And that's why people often either scream or shout or do something or medicate in some way to make themselves not feel that, because most of us oh, don't want to go exactly in and feel that. exactly right. Yes. You, put, you, you know it exactly. The compulsive, addictive, obsessive, uh, painful action or word is an attempt in that moment to mask that pain. The real pain. The real pain. Yeah. And, so and so know, lashing out at somebody else in that moment or for me, going to eat some almonds or doing whatever is a way of not feeling what you need to feel. Bingo. Yes. That's it. Yeah. And the true mm -hmm. spiritual work mm -hmm. is allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel. Yes. That's the first part of it. That's emotional awareness. Yes. Now, but let's go back to those feelings because this is really interesting. Yes. The first thing that they have in common is they hurt. Yes. The second thing they have in common is that when you act on them, they create painful consequences, destructive yes. consequences. Right. So we can put all of those yes. parts of your personality that share those two things uh -huh. into this basket and we'll give it a generic name. We'll write on the side, fear. Now there's other parts of your personality. For example, the part that's grateful, the part that's content, mm -hmm. the part that's appreciative, mm -hmm. patient, caring, in mm -hmm. awe of the universe. Mm -hmm. These parts of your personality also share two things. Number one, they feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel great. Yes. And that's why gratitude's now, so wonderful. Gratitude, gratitude makes you feel gratitude is, is my favorite. And because it makes you feel good no matter what. Now there's a difference between that feeling of yeah and the feeling of I got my Mercedes, yes. That mm -hmm. is happiness. Yes. That's not joy. Yeah. We're talking about something else. Yes. That is an experience in the fear basket because when you get something that a frightened part of your personality wants, yes. a fear-based part, it makes you ecstatic or happy temporarily. Well, you know what is interesting about what you're saying is that the more, th and it's very easy for, to say as a person who's been financially and materially blessed, uh, but it's true, the more things I've been able to require, the less of those things actually bring happiness to me. And I really have sort of a neutral feeling about all things. I, I can't think of one thing 
And I know people say, well, of course, because you have everything. But I right. can't think of one thing, actually, except maybe my panini maker, that, <laughs> that, that brings me, that I can say that makes me happy. It can be your earring that your grandmother gave you. Mm -hmm. It can be something special that a child in Africa gave you. Mm -hmm. And you have an attachment to it. And if you lose it, then you feel mm -hmm. depressed. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about magnitude on a material level. We're talking mm -hmm. about intention, energy, attachment. We're talking about fear, parts of your personality that originate in fear, that reach outward to change the physical world in order to mask the pain. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what that pain is if you'd like it? to know. Yes, I do want to know. It's the pain of powerlessness. Hmm. The pain of powerlessness. So when somebody's in the middle of being angry or being depressed or being feeling abandoned or feeling rejected or feeling, it's the pain of powerlessness. It is. It is. And you can go right down to the very root of the pain of powerlessness. And that is? Feeling unlovable. Mm -hmm. Feeling as though you want to belong and you don't belong. Mm -hmm. Feeling as though... You're not worthy. You're not worthy. Mm -hmm. Feeling as though you want to love, but you, you can't love. So when you peel back the layers of all those things, that's where you get to. You get to... That, that's what the anger's about, all the depression's about, the, all those, those negative that's emotions. That's the pain of powerlessness, and there's more. It's, it's the feeling that you're intrinsically flawed, mm -hmm. that, that you're, you're, you're fundamentally defective. Mm -hmm. that if people could see you the way you really are, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. That's the pain of powerlessness, and everybody has it everybody who's human. Now for millennia, we have addressed the pain of powerlessness just as we've been talking about, by reaching outward to change the physical world. Mm -hmm. You get a trophy husband, a trophy wife. You get a mountain bike that's better than anyone else's. Mm -hmm. Your dreadlocks are cooler than anyone mm -hmm. else's in the world. Your sandals are the best. Whatever you... Our, that our culture does, I think, more so than anybody else's, right? The, this Western culture is geared toward, I am better because I have this. My stuff is better than your stuff. Here I'd like you to consider that uh, in the West we have certainly defined characteristics that make that obvious, but I'm talking about human experience. I got you. Human experience. So these parts of your personality that come from fear always in the past have, you can still mask them temporarily by striving to change people around you. That's the pursuit of external power, by the way, the ability to manipulate and to control. Yeah. Now here's the thing. I, I, choice of intention is the fundamental creative act. I ask everyone to consider that they are powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirits. And that you are creating the life, you are creating your life, co-creating your life whether you recognize it or not. Exactly. It is happening. Exactly. You are co-creating your life with the universe and your part right is, now. is the choice of intention. Yes. So that when you become an aware creator, you do not become a more powerful creator. You become more able to use your creative capacity in a loving way. So when you're not aware of what your intention is, for example, in that moment when someone gets angry or jealous, in that moment when someone goes to the refrigerator and eats a quart of chocolate chip ice cream they don't need, when you're not aware of your intention you're creating with fear. Mm -hmm. You're a powerful creator. When you are aware of your intention, mm -hmm. then you can choose mm -hmm. whether you want 
to create with an energy of fear, with an intention of fear, or with an intention of love. Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing to understand uh, is the principle, number one, of cause and effect. Yes. That for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And I've been drilling that into my girls since they were in the seventh grade, that every action is going to have a consequence. There's going to be an opposite reaction. And that intention is what is going to rule that cause and determine the effect. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Here, let, let, let me use this example. Whatever you throw up above you comes down. Mm -hmm. Let's suppose that what you throw upward is a rock. It's going to go upward and then gravity begins to affect it and it slows and it slows and it slows and then it reaches its apogee and then it reverses direction and it starts back down and gravity accelerates its motion until it comes right back down with the same force that it was thrown upward. That's what happens to you no matter what you throw upward. If you throw a feather pillow up into the air, mm -hmm. Same thing happens, but when it comes down, it feels sort of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so once you understand that, you become more thoughtful about what you throw into the air. Every intention, you are throwing something into the universe, and it will find you. And this is the, the universal law of cause and effect. In the East, it's called karma. Mm -hmm. Here we call it the golden rule. It is to allow us to learn through our own experiences how powerful we are as creators and how responsible we are for what we create. It's like the, the, the wonderful line in The Color Purple that I used for uh, a clip of it on my very last show, actually. The line when Mr. is throwing Miss Seeley out of the house, Miss Seeley is leaving the house. Remember that? Yes. And Whoopi says, as the character Seeley, everything you tried to do to me is already done to you. That's right. It means, you know, in, in, in the West we live with the principle of the golden rule. The golden rule is not just what you do unto others, you do unto, is not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. But what really happens is whatever you do unto others is already done unto you. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's you right. can't get away from it. You can't escape it. That's karma. So treat other people the way you'd like them to treat you because they will. That's the short of it. Yes. Give to the world what you want to receive from the world because you will receive that. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily from that person. No. That's no, what everybody's all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. You may, uh, you may betray someone uh, who put all their trust in you, and then later in your life or longer, you will find yourself betrayed in another way, mm -hmm. and it will hurt as much. Mm. So once you know that then you can begin to look at your experiences less personally. You don't have to take them so personally. If someone betrays you, the first thing you can understand is there's a factor of karma involved. The other thing that you can understand is that the person who is acting in that way is acting from a frightened part of his personality. He or she is in pain. I, I, I remember first coming across that concept in Seed of the Soul, the chapter on karma. You never have to really worry about what happens to somebody who does harm to you or creates an atmosphere of betrayal, as you were saying, because the karmic debt that they will have to pay, it will take care of itself. That is karma. It, mm -hmm. y you don't have to take judge, on the role yeah. of judge and jury. Yes. Uh, and if you do, 
you will create negative, negative karma, karma for yourself. Always. Always. Yes. <laughs> and the reason is that what other way could you learn that would create changes in you so permanent, so deep, so constructive mm -hmm. as through your own experience encountering the consequences of your own choices until finally you stop trying to use other people, you stop trying to blame other people, you stop shaking your fist and railing against the universe, you stop curling up in a ball and wanting to die, you stop trying to impress everyone, you stop everything. Why not begin to create authentic power? And when you do, when you keep following that path, it will eventually, as the saying goes, bring you to your knees. Mm -hmm. And then you are open. Then you are open for the first time because everything else you've tried hasn't worked and you know it's not going to. The painkillers, the drugs, the wealth, doesn't matter. That point comes when you open yourself. And when you do, then change is possible. But that's not the kind of change you can learn from a sermon. That's change that transforms and rearranges you. And in the process, everything that was based in fear falls away. So the big question is how do people apply these principles once you come to understand? First, there's a level of awareness. I remember when I first read Seed of the Soul, I just felt, this is what, I just felt like I suddenly came alive. Like, oh, there's a whole nother part of myself that I didn't even know existed. So you come alive, but how do you then begin to actively apply the principles? This is what gives me the most joy. If you can't apply it, why learn it? Yes, why learn why, it? Why even, why even go through it? Suppose, uh, for example, you're a mother and you've got three children and uh, you're on overwhelm a lot. Right. And one of the children in particular is a bit, a bit demanding. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you have a husband and he's been working away all day away from home, he may or may not be sympathetic or even appreciative of how much work it is to be at home with three children and to prepare for him coming home. So you can find yourself overwhelmed, you can find yourself frustrated or exasperated by the, the child that's, that, that's most demanding, you can find yourself angry at your husband. What do you do? This is exactly the time that you have the opportunity to create authentic power. And here's how you do it. First of all, instead of acting, whatever the impulse is to tell the child, Tommy, be quiet, be quiet, or you're going to go to your room for mm -hmm. six months, mm -hmm. or telling your husband, whatever you tell him, mm -hmm. instead, go inside. Go inside. Go inside. That's the first step. That is developing emotional awareness. The second step, and once you can do this, you put yourself in a very powerful position. Because just by turning inward instead of acting in the moment, you have created a little gap mm -hmm. between the impulse and the action. Mm -hmm. And into that space, you can inject consciousness. Into that space, you can do something you couldn't have done before. Choose mm -hmm. consciously. Yeah. You can decide, I am going to say this to my husband. He's insensitive and I'm sick and tired of him being sensitive. Or, or I'm not. 
or I'm going instead to act from the most loving part of my personality that I can reach for in that moment. I hear. And it may be that the most loving part of your personality you can reach for is just not to say anything. Mm. But you have then changed your universe. Yes. It's your choice. And you make the choice every time you choose an intention. When you choose an intention of love, instead of an intention of fear. And that is the spiritual journey. That is the spiritual journey. That is the spiritual path. You become aware of all of the parts of your personality mm -hmm. that do not want to act in love. And you don't act on them. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. I mean, it's simple, but it's it's difficult. challenging. It's, it's difficult. Challenging. This is because the it's path. easier. Just you know what it is. I know, and you use the term conscious by meaning being awakened and aware to what is going on, and it's just really easier to be in denial and not to be awakened. It's just easier. In my experience, it's very painful to be aware of the sensations that are behind the impulse to shout, yeah. the impulse to be right, to yeah. win a power struggle. That's right. But as painful as they are, I've come to see that it's not as painful as the consequences that I have created yeah. with my anger and with my determination to win every power. When struggle. I say it's easier to be in denial, it's certainly easier to be unaware, but to be unaware is to live a deadened life. Yes. It's to live a deadened life. It's and to a what, painful life. And a painful life is to see people, and it's so interesting because to see people walking around struggling, 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 all of the time. It's very painful. People sort people who are not aware that they don't have to suffer. That's right. And here's here's a central thing in it is understanding that when you feel emotional pain. Yes. At first it seems as though something or someone else caused that pain. Yes. But as you develop emotional awareness you'll discover that your pain was not caused by someone else. Someone else triggered a dynamic in you that is painful to experience. Mm. And when you divert your attention to changing the trigger, you may or may not gain some satisfaction. So each of us is given the opportunity, as, as you were expressing earlier, each, is, each of us is given the opportunity to, in that moment when somebody does something to tick you off, to go inward and going inward and examining what that feels like. Experiencing it. Okay, not it's not an intellectual it's not, thing. Not it's not examining, experiencing. experiencing. So taking it inward instead of outward gives you a moment and creates a gap where you get to decide what you will do. What Precisely. Got it. Because before that, you were still making a choice, but you weren't aware of the choice. The choice. Right. You, you just spontaneously react. And you acted on it. Right. Why do that anymore? Why do that anymore? So the, th the key is to ask, what am I really feeling? What am I feeling? And you know one other thing. If you act on it, you're going to create painful and destructive right. consequences for you. I got that. I hope you all got that. I got that. If you act out of fear, you're going to create more destructive, painful, fear-based energy coming your way. That's right. Okay. And by the way, we've been talking about looking at the parts of your personality that originate in fear, such mm -hmm. as jealousy and anger and rage and, and those kind of painful experiences that are destructive, 
the more you don't act on them, the more you challenge them by not acting on them, the more they lose their control over you. It's just like the Wizard of Oz, one of my favorite spiritual teachings. It's just like the moment when the wicked, wicked Witch of the West is trying to get to Dorothy and Glinda says, go away, you have no power here. You have no power here because the goodness and the light is so strong that the Wicked Witch, Witch of the West has no ability to affect that territory. That's right. I wouldn't say that the universe, I, I understand this story and I love it too. Mm -hmm. By the way, I come from Kansas okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I understand it. The universe doesn't look in terms of good, bad, better, worse, success, failure. It, it looks in terms of limitation and opportunity. The more the loving parts of your personality are the ones you're cultivating, the more opportunity you have. Absolutely. The more fear is controlling you, the more contracted and the less, and the more limitation you have. But isn't the ultimate lesson to Dorothy, where Glinda says to Dorothy, you've always had it, my dear, you've always had the power. Isn't that the ultimate lesson we're all trying to remember? Yes, it is, that you are a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit. And the more you cultivate a loving part of your personality, the more it begins to uh, fill your experience and your field of awareness until that's all that is. So creating authentic power is a process. It's not an event. It's done decision by decision, step by step, choice by choice. The point is to contribute what you can to life because that's the nature of love. And love doesn't require that it be acknowledged, doesn't require that it even be effective. <laughs> when the sun shines on you, it doesn't say, how'd I do today? <laughs> you know, are you appreciating me yet? I can do better tomorrow. Yeah. It just shines. And that's where the joy in life comes from. And to create that place is our evolutionary requirement now. That's creating authentic power. That's what requires becoming aware of every part of our personality and not acting on those that control us compulsively, unconsciously, and acting on those that we know are aligned with our soul. Well, that is the essence of the seat of the soul. That is the seat of the soul. That's why the choice of intention is the fundamental creative act the choice of intention is the choice that brings energy into form. That creates matter. That creates consequences. I knew it was the most important one. <laughs> what is the soul? The soul is that part of you that existed before you were born and that will exist after you die. It's the highest, most noble part of yourself that you can reach for. Are there little souls and big souls? Are there various sizes of souls, different kinds of souls? No. Dimension and weight and volume are characteristics of the Earth School, this domain of time and space and matter and duality. Uh, but all souls have the capacity to be great souls. And your job and my job while we are in the Earth School is to align our personalities with our souls. And we do that by becoming the personality that has the same intentions of the soul, harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life. What is your definition of God? 
I, I don't have a definition of God because I've never really understood that word. People have different understandings of it and it's caused a great deal of uh, conflict. I do know that the universe is sacred and that it's holy. As a substitute, I sometimes use the word divine intelligence. If I had to say what would my definition of God be, if I were going to use that word, I would say that this universe has layers upon layers upon layers of compassion and wisdom beyond ours that we might think of as God. Have you always considered yourself spiritual or was there an aha moment that caused an awakening for you and recognize something bigger than yourself? There were times for about the first three and a half decades of my life when I never thought of anything spiritual. Everything was for me. It was all scamming. All I thought about was me. And uh, that didn't change in a one moment. It began to change and it's still deepening and growing. But I th the first time that I ever experienced something really constructive and beautiful and powerful in my life was when I had this impulse to write a book on physics, of all things, quantum physics, after I visited, uh, by invitation, a meeting of physicists at the Lawrence Berkeley Laboratory. And I became fascinated by what they were discussing. Are we creating the reality that we're experimenting with? And I began to study and read and go back and they helped me. And I decided I wanted to write a book because I wanted to share these wonderful, fascinating, remarkable things. And I did. I began to write this book. And I would start each chapter with an outline, but very soon I would start to leave the outline because the energy would go elsewhere. And I always followed the energy. So after six months and six chapters later, I began to see that the chapters fit together as though I had written them to fit together. But I didn't. All I did was follow the energy. And that was for Dancing Wooly Masters? That was for the Dancing Wooly Masters. And so I began to realize that uh, there's more than I involved in writing this book. And whatever it is, I got to see some things about it. I recognize that it's more intelligent than I am, that it's more comprehensive in its grasp than I am, and that it's funnier than I am. Mm -hmm. And I Even just, though you wrote it. We wrote it. The it writing was a co-creation. It yeah. wasn't a channeling. It took all of my skill and all yeah. of my commitment and work to write it. But I put my, that's why I put my name on it. But I can't say that I could write something alone as beautiful and brilliant and funny and entertaining and empowering as that. And no one can create alone. It's impossible to be alone. And this was my first glimpse of that. And I decided that whatever it is that's helping me write this book, I want more of it. I, I, want, I want to live my life the way this book is being written, which is spontaneously, intelligently, joyfully. And I've come some distance in that direction, and I have more to travel. That's fantastic. What do you think happens when we die? We go home. You return to where you came from, which is non-physical reality. And as we become multi-sensory, which means while we are walking on the earth, we begin to experience ourselves not only as personalities, as bodies and minds, we begin to experience our sense somehow that we are more than that. 
we sort of have a, a dual identity. And our gratification and our fulfillment comes in aligning ourselves with the big identity. And we can see that and experience it because we're becoming multi-sensory. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to at least entertain the idea that the major part of who we are exists in non-physical reality. Do we drop the body and the soul rises? The soul doesn't sink or rise, it's always there. And the body, the personality, your intuitional structure, your all the things that a psychologist calls a personality, affect, perception, cognition, all of those uh, return to the earth. That dies. Your soul doesn't die. But while we're here, the goal and the purpose of being here is to align our personalities with our souls. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, the intentions of the soul flow through you like the breath of a musician through a flute. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you cannot tell in such a person where the personality ends and the soul begins. Right. As you look at your experiences and use them to create authentic power, yes. you align yourself with your soul, with right. this larger My you. soul, which is much larger. Much larger. Than my little old self larger sitting here than, in the chair. Larger yeah. than we can Can't begin imagine. to comprehend. Yes. And more And so this, this part of me here in the earth school that's using my personality and my physical human body is just a teeny portion of the larger soul. Yes, but it's got all the, it's got the power of it. You are the energy of your soul. And you can, if you want to, be connected to the power of the soul. That's what true spirituality is, or opening yourself to spirituality, is allowing the power of that soul to infuse your personality and body work here in the Earth School. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to suggest that while we're in the Earth School, yes. the closest we're going to come to what you're talking about is maybe uh, we could call it a higher self. Okay. But everyone will experience their soul. When you go home, when your personality dies, you will experience the fullness of who you are. And you'll see so many things, so many things, things that you did and didn't even notice. You'll see what that caused and what those effects caused and what wow. those effects caused and how they ripple out as far as you can imagine every little thing that you did in your life and you'll learn from those. What do you know for sure? All of the things that I've told you. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Everything I just told you. Oh, That's great. I'm Oprah Winfrey and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul conversation. Thank you for listening.